Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the How We See Things podcast. Um, it's your boy Dan Stark here and my uh, venerable co-hosts. Statesman X. Um, so uh, today's a, quite an interesting episode actually because it's the tale, we'll call it the tale of the two PMs, the two prime ministers. Um, one has left office and the other has um, unfortunately um, no longer um, on, on, on the planet with us. Um, so we start off with the British former prime minister, or well, is it current prime minister? Is it um, former, former convent prime minister? Well, there's a lot of technicalities. Um, we're talking okay. about the person of Boris Johnson um, MP, the right honourable. George Johnson. Um, I don't the know. Guy, the guy if, if with the hair, also time. known as. Yeah, I mean, with the with the shabby hair and uh, the Machiavellian streak. Um, so, yeah, it was big news. I don't know where you've been if you haven't heard about this, but um, the Prime Minister of one of the world's leading economies, um, quote unquote, uh, international players, the United Kingdom, stepped down. Um, he resigned on Thursday, the 7th of July, 2022. Um, and yeah, I think it, it, was, it was a long time coming, but also came as a bit of a shock actually, in that the day before he had said he was gonna fight his way through. Um, and despite a number of cabinet resignations decided to, to pull away. How was the news received on, on your side of the pond? No, like I, I was thinking about like how, you know, first off, like apparently Boris Johnson has been a long time coming. You know, he, he's been a player in British politics, media for a while, known in some like circles, like, you know, working his way like through through the ladder. I think he was mayor of of London at some yes, point. he was the mayor of London um, from 2008 um, up until 20, certainly up to 2012. I don't know if he did a second term, um, but in, he was the mayor during the in, Olympics. In, in a lot of ways, like he's like Trump and, you know, the movement that brought Boris Johnson into power is in many ways similar to the movement that brought Trump into power and the movement that brought like a number of right-wing um leaning government into power like around the world and they all sought to like affect their countries in different ways the unfortunate thing for britain is that what boris johnson did was quite permanent um or one of one of like his major lasting legacies mm. was quite permanent like so a lot of the commentary that we're seeing is that, is that the big b the big the b, big b like the 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 giant b the <laughs> Brexit, like it's it, a lot of the commentary around around Boris is is about how like he's this kind of apparently you if if you believe like the what what you read or what you hear he's this kind of cartoon but not quite cartoon villain guy who is like funny but in a dark you know he's actually affecting negative change on a massive scale type of way. He seems incompetent or bumbling, but he's secretly like this, like Macha Machiavellian guy. And like mm -hmm. to, to make this point, like I'll, I'll tell the story I heard like somebody else say on something I was listening to. 
about how like you know they invited Boris to speak at some kind of like thing for movers and shakers and how they do totally um you know posh British people and Boris shows up like five minutes like to the time when he's supposed to speak he comes he asks the person who invited him there so what is this thing that I'm here for again they tell him um um what is how long am I supposed to speak for they tell him okay then he writes down like something about fish and something about like um sheep essentially and goes on and gives like this really great like speech yeah 10 years later 10 years later the person runs into boris again somewhere else and he pulls off the same like move he shows up like and he tries to do like the whole oh what is this what am i here for and it now comes off as like this type of okay like is this guy like actually like this or is he actually trying to create like this impression that he's pulling a rabbit out of a hat and you know he's like some kind of like secret genius there's like conspiracies like you know personality conspiracies and personality cult around um boris that makes him as i was saying before like similar to trump but i i guess like it's it's a follow for a liberal like me a follow of one um supposed right winger um yeah. yeah, I mean Boris and Trump. I mean the color of their skin, the color of their hair. I guess you know both have that similarity. The kind of the bumbling approach. But I think, to be honest, and obviously the the right wing um, ideology. But to be honest, that's probably where their similarities end. I say this yeah. because Boris Johnson is someone who, throughout his mayoralty and throughout his time in his early days as a journalist, was known as someone who was a Europhile. Now, that's somebody who was certainly welcoming of the European project. Mm -hmm. He was keen for London to be part of the EU, um, as part of the UK, obviously. He wanted close ties with London and the EU whilst he was mayor of London. And he pushed a lot of EU interests. Um, There was a lot of bridging of the gap between both entities during his time as mayor. Now, this all changed. I think what you need to understand about Boris Johnson is that his lifelong ambition has to be, was to be prime minister. Mm. This is something that he always wanted um, since the days he attended um, Eton, which is obviously one of the prestigious boys' boarding schools in the UK, all the way to his time at um, university at um, Cambridge, and, um, or was it Oxford? One of those two. Um, and being part of what's called the Bullingdon Club. Now, the Bullingdon Club is, think of it as your caper, ga- caper gamma, phi, whatever. You know, it's it's a very exclusive sorority. So basically, he's an elite now. Exclusively, he is a, he's a blue blood, like you would yeah. say in the US. And he's actually, he was born in America. Many people might not know this. Boris Johnson was born in America. Um, Scand- scandalous. <laughs> Um, but we don't have the similar, we don't have the kind of birth of place, birthplace rule that you have for a president in the UK. Um, and how do you come to power? Um, Boris became the leader of the Conservative Party um, after forcing the resignation of his predecessor, Theresa May. So he was a foreign secretary, some might remember, um, for about 18 months before 2019, where he resigned. And then he suddenly, you know, had, leading up to that, had changed his politics on, on Europe. Essentially, he became a Brexiteer. So that's an MP that's 
advocates for the UK leaving the EU. And it was said that at the time of the result, which was 52% to 48% for the UK to leave, he had written two speeches. Two speeches sorry. Um, the first speech was if the UK had stayed in the European Union, kind of similar to your story. And that was what I was, mm. I was, you know, was going to interject then. And the second speech was when the UK left the European Union. So he is Machiavellian in every sense of the word. And what Machiavellian is someone who is ruthless in their progression yes. towards their targeted and desired goal. Boris Johnson will take on policies to ensure that he stays in power and he progresses his ideals. Um, why was he so enthralled by the Conservative Party? Because we'll get onto his misdeeds, right? Mm. Boris Johnson held on despite a number of very serious allegations. Um, and this was because he, he won his party a large majority. Um, and this was unlike anything that they'd seen. So this was, he, he, he gained them 66, 66 um, seats, um, which is the biggest majority since Margaret Thatcher's victory in 1987. Yeah, that, so, was, that, that was the whole like Brexit wave and, you know, the lead up to the campaign now, right? Like, yeah. I mean, in many ways, it kind of solidified him as the guy who was able to go into what's called the, the Red Wall. So these are a number of northern seats in the UK where traditionally the Labour Party, the opposition, mm-hmm. were entrenched for, we're talking centuries, you know. Um, but he was able to, through Brexit, like you rightly say, convert those areas into conservative um, seats by obviously tapping into issues we've, we've talked about on this podcast before, yeah. issues with jobs, lack of jobs, um, declining investment in those areas, neglect from the metropolitan global mm. the UK South, um, especially Westminster being in London, um, lack of jobs, drain the brain drain, the talent drain from those areas into the cities. So he was able to capitalize on that and say Brexit is the is the way out. The EU is the reason why we have these issues. So, which is of so, course rubbish. So, so basically you you have a guy who, as we've described, is cynical has a Machiavellian approach to politics. He's so dream, like all his life has to like was to be prime minister. Yeah. He, he picks an issue that is a huge, you know, wedge issue. It allows people to latch on like all other like sort of like identities um onto it, makes a national campaign of it, rides that wave into power and gets the Conservative Party like a bunch of seats. Effectively he's like you know, uh, a hero to the cause locally. He's spoken of like in tandem, like like we we're saying before, like with it with a quaterie qu- of like essentially like right wing leaders worldwide. Mm-hmm. But then he's Boris Johnson. Yeah. Um, so it also means that he's kind of silly and he talks in a flimsy way. And there's a kind of like unseriousness that he has brought because he lies a lot apparently. So yeah. like maybe you can walk us through like some of the scandals, like you know, because there there was there was party gates, yeah, there was, like sex allegation scandals. It was there was also he's been a busy man. He's been a busy man. One thing about Boris, you know, just to a point that you made before we delve into the scandals, you mentioned that um, he gives us a bumbling kind of lovable yes. rogue, and the UK has been infected by the US, but this presidential style, because in the UK, it's a parliamentary system. You mm-hmm. don't elect a prime minister. 
you elect a party and then the leader of the party, and we'll come back to this point later, the leader of the party is the prime minister appointed by the queen. We don't elect a prime minister in this country. Yes. So this kind of presidential... I mean, that's, that's... Literally, what it means to petty fog, like you are just you are in the details there. It's effectively <laughs> no, 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 an election. This, well, well, they say he's resigned. I don't quite think he has. But yeah, we'll get back to that. Um, so you have to remember that in terms of this bumbling, it's all an act. Boris, um, there was an interview. He was sacked from two jobs from Lion. Actually, um, he was a columnist at the Telegraph. Uh, many of you might know, and also at the Spectator. Um, I'm not sure about the spectator how he left, but the Telegraph definitely he was he was sacked for lying because he used a, a quote that wasn't true, right? Mm. He essentially created a quote. Mm. So in terms of scandals, I guess you could start there. So that was pre pre PM or pre politics really. These these are the mid nineties, late nineties. Um, he's kind of this you know what we call the Fleet Street. I don't know yeah. the alternative in the US. So it's where all the newspapers traditionally used to you know reside he was kind of known in those circles the first kind of notable scandal i'll say was when jennifer akiri a u.s businesswoman made a series of kind of lurid allegations about johnson amongst that in 19 in uh, november 2019 she said that she had a sexual relationship with him whilst he was married and the mayor of london and that she benefited from privileges as a result so obviously there's conflicts of interest, there's privileges, there's corruption, essentially. Um, she said these included thousands of pounds in public money from the mayor's promotional agency called London and Partners LP, LMP. And yes. she was also able to take part of, um, you know, she was invited along to trade missions to New York, Tel Aviv, alongside Boris Johnson despite failing to meet the criteria for those trips. So we're talking about security clearance, we're talking about just knowledge clearance, like, you know, what was her official role for her to be on these trips? Um, yeah. Johnson's no, I... never, Johnson never, he's never publicly accepted that he had an affair with Akiri, but he's not denied it. So no, like that's, that's that, a, that was a that's like, big scandal. That's like, I mean, a, a theme as well that has been coming up. The fact that like, you know, for, for the Conservative Party, and I was accusing you of petty fogging before because like you're, you're suggesting, okay, the public elects, you know, a parliament mm -hmm. and that parliament now elects somebody to be their leader. That leader is now appointed by the Queen. It's a formality, Jonathan. It's still in effect we have an election. We have um, and, and, and it's, I understand it's an that, like, well, it's, it's and, and I understand that, like, there's, there's probably some theoretical case where a party appoints a prime minister, a party a party elects somebody, and the queen doesn't reject doesn't reject the so, appointment. Okay, this is but, this, for Americans. This is... what what I'm getting at. What, what I'm getting at here is that, like, the party apparently the Conservative Party mm -hmm. felt that, like, at times, like, they had to be defending Boris Johnson's like ridiculous scandals and and lies and you know like one one way that i guess like um his trail of misdeeds caught up with him is by resignations um and like the scandals i guess like kept building up so it's possible that, like the one that you were describing maybe it leaked and then there was like something else and there was there's like just like the way he would the way he would talk or the way he would like talk about like ireland for example or or international like relations Talk to me about like how like it's it's received in the UK, like you understand, know like the yeah, way. Yeah, I mean, like, in in the US, like politics, like it affects like everyday life, and people have yeah. like long sense and stuff like that. I don't see people in the UK as like being 
that political, but like talk to me about how like it's affecting everyday right, life. So like, build the best way to put it, fallout. Respectfully, I think mm. the UK UK politics is a bit more nuanced, right? Yeah, the US yeah. politics is very no, 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 no need for respect. No. <laughs> it's it's very <laughs> It's very kind of entrenched, very divisive. Um, you have a silent swing majority, definitely, but the issues are well defined and well set out. And whereas, and to your earlier point. The U.S. has a written constitution, right? So it's either yay or nay, hence the whole issue with the Supreme Court and interpretation. In the U.K., we rely on what we call political conventions. Um, mm. The U.K. has an unwritten constitution. So there is no singular document. Um, you might have heard of the Magna Carta, but there is no actual written document that sets out the procedures um, for the running of government per se. Now you have not one singular document. So you have a lot of different statutory um, guidelines, you have laws in place, and you have what we call conventions. Now, the convention I want to talk about specifically uh, to attitudes, like you mentioned, mm. is that in the UK, the Queen is the official head of state. However, it's a ceremonial position. Yeah. Some of you might know about Oliver Cromwell, go read up on who he was. The UK was a republic for a few years. Now, as part of the royal family's involvement, they're actually depoliticized in such a way where they carry out the wishes of the government of the day. So it's Her yeah. Majesty's government and they legitimize her continued... She, she, she's allowed to continue... Obviously, she's a queen. You can't allow the royal. That's power. what I was get. That's what I was getting at. That like yeah. you know, they they found a way to to live under a monarchy, but also have a democratic system. Yes, and yes. and that democratic system came back to bite Boris Johnson um, in the behind because like they there was there was a vote apparently like not too long ago, a vote of confidence that mm-hmm. that he was able, that he that he you know won by like a slim margin, but like you know there was a a cascading sequence of resignations like talk talk a bit about like you know say a bit about like the resignation that we saw like across like the yeah um, so the in terms just before we get to the resignations and we ended up with about 55 or so um mm. in the end um so just think about that we had in november 2021 so moving on from all that we had obviously the lockdown boris actually nearly died in april 2020 um he was hospitalized but the first rumblings came out and we he put us in a national lockdown just before he got ill. Now, the first rumblings were that he didn't... There's something called COBRA, which mm-hmm. is like a high-level meeting. You know, it's like um, DEFCON, right? Where yeah. the prime minister would meet, just like the president would meet the cabinet and the security advisors. Boris missed the first four meetings that had to do with covid Hmm. He was on holiday, he was skiing somewhere or something. Hmm. So people are already like, you're not taking this seriously. Boris actually hmm. wanted us to not have a lockdown. He wanted the like, but like for real though, like he 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 was he went he was on vacation like when COVID first hit. No, he took it after COVID hit. So oh. keep in mind we already knew about COVID in like January 2020. You could you were already hearing about it in China, it was yeah. in Italy by February. He actually went on holiday because he didn't take it seriously enough. And this is the character of the guy. Until something is like smash bang in his face, he just kind of does the bare minimum, right? Fast forward all through his handling, he was criticized for being late with the lockdowns. 
he was criticized. Obviously, he got a boost from the whole vaccination. So when he got the vaccine in place, he got a boost. But then in November 2021, some uh, there was a sleaze, what we call sleaze allegations. Essentially, the UK press has this habit of like using words that not as serious when the actual matter is serious. Yeah, because the actual because sleaze is actually corruption, right? And there was an MP called Owen Patterson. And what angered people, he was found to have lobbied on behalf of a company that paid him more than a hundred thousand pounds. And it's kind of this idea. If you want to do that, you should be a lobbyist, not an MP. Exactly. So it's this kind of like you're a member of the executive, but you're also taking backhanders. To, in some circles, you know, argue against the rights of your constituents in some or have them, have them donate it to your campaign using a shell company. Or Where did company. Johnson come into this? Johnson tried to overhaul the standards for MPs to spare Owen Patterson from suspension. So people are like, wait, wait, wait. This is show you the kind of... He was like, he wanted to overrule the rules for his friend. To save really? his friend from actual... Because there are rules in place for how... MPs must act. And Owen Patterson obviously fell short of that. Boris tried to call a vote to save his friend's bacon. And people, mm. the public were like, you have no regard for public standards. So that was mark two, I guess, or three. Then it got worse for him, kind of towards December last year. Um, there was a leaked video of his kind of like chief speaker, chief of staff kind of. We don't have a, you know, she's like a SPAD, special advisor, right? And they were doing this, they used to prep him. So, like, obviously, before he came on TV, he would have these kind of... So, they were trying out some of these questions. Mm. In that clip that was leaked, um, she was seen joking about holding a Christmas party in Number 10 Downing Street. At this time, no parties were allowed. Party People had, were restricted. The Queen had to attend her husband's funeral alone. She was sat alone on one of the days of the parties, by the way. So... Mm. It then started, it was clear that people wanted him out, right? So somebody who had issues with Boris Johnson on the inside, you know, started feeding this, the media stuff. So in December, The Guardian published a photograph of Johnson, his wife, and several staff members in the Downing Street party, in the Downing Street Garden during lockdown in May 2020. So this was the peak. The oh, UK was losing about 10,000 lives a day, sadly. There, were, there was an email inviting staff to bring their own booze to a party in the garden. And three days later, the Telegraph um, revealed that parties were held on the evening before Prince Philip's funeral on 16th of April 2021. As far as scandals go, though, that's that's a pretty that's a pretty awesome scandal to have now. Like you know, like the, you you had like contra where people were like buying weapons from rebels in another country and using the money to do something else, or like you know you send somebody to break into like somewhere to steal like your opponent's tape, or you kill your opponent's or you kidnap. This one, you say you have scandal, you're throwing a party. Like, I mean, it was crazy. Right, like so I heard <laughs> one of the stories was that staffers were sent out to Tesco with empty. Um, suitcases and came back with those full of booze and we're coming mm-hmm. in so number 10 obviously is highly guarded there's like a walk-in entrance you know mm. da, 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 da. so another angle was that there were police officers obviously were on high alert people were being issued fines um people were being issued fines ten thousand pounds for holding parties yeah. for wedding parties for turn-ups 
you know, people hadn't gone out to club in two years. So some people were like holding raves and police were issuing thousands of pounds of fines. Um, no, they're, they're above the law. I, I'm pretty <laughs> sure those parties were epic. Like I, I can imagine just like the, the effort tree takes, you know, for Boris just be like, you know, you know what, guys, cheerio. We're going to have a razor. <laughs> right. So, I mean, Scotland Yard, which is the name for the Metropolitan um, Police in London, um, they placed the heart of government under investigation. Um, they received evidence from um, a senior civil servant called Sue Gray, who was tasked with an inquiry into uh, an inquiry and a report into the alleged parties at Downing Street and Whitehall. Whitehall is essentially the capital, essentially. So, um, so both the cabinet and the Met Office concluded that allegations were serious enough to warrant investigations. And 126 fixed penalty notices were issued to Downing Street, 10 Downing Street. Downing, 10 Downing Street was the most penalized address in the United Kingdom. No, so when, when that <laughs> happens, who is that responsible? Are they in effect Boris, that, because that, he's that, the head of the snake. <laughs> and he was the one, he was on about 16 email invites for parties over the course. He was like, he was involved in, he was fined. Rishi Sunak, his chancellor, was fined. Essentially, our like, second most important minister, essentially minister of finance or the treasury, head of treasury, whatever your equivalent is in the US. And these two guys were actually pictured at a party together mm. where there was cake and there was whatever. Um, he also attended a goodbye party. Um, the Grey Report looked at 15 events and stated that several of the events were drunken and rowdy and that there were failures of leadership and judgment in number 10. <laughs> you know, Boris had lied, and the backdrop to this is in Parliament, since December 2021, um, Keir Starmer, the leader of the opposition Labour Party, a former director of public prosecutions and a highly esteemed human rights lawyer, an expert barrister, an expert questioner, an, ex an expert set-upper, had been setting up Boris, asking him questions in Parliament as to what he knew about Partygate. Did you know, were you at this party? He would say no, then it would turn out two months later, yes, he was actually there, he would apologize for not for being given the wrong information. He said at one point that he was told that the parties were work events. He believed they were work events, even though he wrote the laws. He was the one who told the country to stay at home. He was the one that told the country to be in lockdown. But this gentleman believed that he was above the law. He showed a disdain and contempt for the people of the United Kingdom. And that ultimately, that series of allegations, we've gone through Owen Patterson, we've gone through Party Gate. Ended up in the Mr. Pincher moment. Who's Chris Pincher? Chris Pincher was the straw that broke the camel's back. Chris Pincher is a deputy whip of the Conservative Party. So the whips, basically, for those who are non-political, are the people who ensure that all the MPs or senators of a particular party vote in line with the party. They hold all the dark arts. They hold all the secrets. Mm -hmm. If you think you're going to rebel, do you remember you were at that party, you know, two days ago? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Vote with the party. Vote with us. He, and this is trigger warning, was involved in a sexual assault of a young man at a private club. Um, he grabbed the gentleman's behind and moved across to his uh, front as well. Mm -hmm. This gentleman froze and reported this sexual assault. Now, where this is a straw that broke the camel's back, Boris Johnson, as you might remember from our earlier story, was a foreign secretary in 2018, 
<sighs> right. Pinto resigned as deputy chief after allegedly groping two men at a private members' club. Johnson was forced to admit that he had known about these previous allegations against Pincher before promoting him. Oh. But Johnson initially said he did not know. One of the senior former civil staff heads at the Foreign Office wrote a strong letter stating that not only did Johnson know, Johnson was briefed in person of the first actions of Pincher. So Pincher had uh, indiscretion raised against him in 2018 Mm -hmm. that was dealt with and Johnson subsequently promoted him. Now, why did the ministers resign? They had been briefed in between those two days, the letter from Lord MacDonald coming out, Sir MacDonald, I think, coming out, and Johnson's initial statement that he didn't, wasn't aware. They had been going on TV saying that they knew that he had not, Johnson was not aware. So all these ministers had gone on TV, to ITV, to Sky, to BBC, to RT, to CNN, and they were lying, essentially. No, basically, Johnson lied to them. Boris, yeah. Boris lied to them, and then they went out and lied. And that, as they say, was all she wrote. Now, we've missed something. There was a no-confidence vote in there, but we're just talking about the scandals. So the no-confidence yes. vote weakened him. We spoke about this previously. Go check out episode 14 of the podcast if you want to know more. So that's kind of how we ended up where we were today. Um, and I mean, I mean like the, the, the first parallel I, I, I drew between the US and the UK, you know, was about how the movements were both populist in nature. Yep. Um, they both involved right-wing presidents. They both involved sort of like bombastic, you know, loudmouth people who had little regard like for the truth. Um, they both involved immigration. They both involved like feelings of of z- xenophobia and of mm-hmm. like demographic decline by a you know by the majority like white population like in both places. Um, but there are some differences in the way politics works in the UK and the way politics work in the US that made it such that like Boris Johnson was forced to resign in one scenario. But in the other scenario, <laughs> the other guy tried to do a, an insurrection, basically, and overthrow the government. So things are kind of like set up differently. Um, we have more we have more checks and balances in the UK, I, I would say. And there's a lot of conventions put in place that ensure that, for example, in Boris Johnson's situation, even though, like I say, we don't elect, what we elect is a parliamentary majority, right? You elect a parliamentary party and then their leader becomes PM. Now, in this situation, the Conservatives, and we have what's called the Fixed Parliament Act. So in the UK, a government has the right to be in place for five years until they call, there's like a fixed election date from five years from when they win, they have five years. Now, I think that's been repealed ironically. So I don't know if that will happen in the next premiership, but, what that means is that Boris resigning as leader, and this is this this is the specific thing. Boris Johnson does not resign as PM because to resign as PM he has to go to the Queen. So he hasn't gone to the Queen. He's going to stay in situ until his party elects a new leader. Now this is where people are fearing some sort of Trump-like insurrection, not insurrection, 
typical British. Well, it would be more uh, perhaps understated, a bit more um, hacky nations behind the scenes, <laughs> a, bit, a, bit, a bit cleverer. His resignation speech, quote-unquote, did not contain the word resign or derivatives of, therefore, such as resignation. No, no, but, 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 but he stepped down, though. He, he stepped down, but there is precedent. So John Major, who was prime minister in the mid-90s, and the rules were changed, stepped down, invoked a new leadership contest, and beat his competitor to remain as prime minister. Now, the rules were changed after John Major to stop that. But the thing is here, there's still some fears that because of Johnson's penchant for power and his desire to be prime minister, he could play a trick such as, for example, naming himself as deputy prime minister. Because technically, there is no constitutional name for what he is right now. He's no longer technically the PM because he's no longer the leader. Yeah. Of the Conservative Party, right? Because they're starting to do they're, they're what we call their own maneuvers, right? So you yeah. see a lot of prime minister, uh, sorry, a lot of ministers, a lot of prominent Tories coming out to say, I want to run, you know, people like um Sajid Javid, Jeremy Hunt, Rishi Sunak, um, Penny Morden, Tim Toggenhat, um, people like Kemi Badenoch. I don't know why she's bothering, she needs to go and do up her braids or something. She's done enough damage. Um, people like um, Pretty Patel, she just needs to give it a rest. And um, these are all people. Roughly, roughly, apparently, it takes like it would take about six weeks, yes. six weeks or so, yeah, to to elect a new leader. And for the time being, he's in power. But like you know, he he he's effectively restricted. said, no, he effectively said, and I quote, like it is clearly now the will of the Parliamentary Conservative Party that there should be a new leader of that party and therefore a new prime minister. Um, so he's stepping down, and while he's still around for the remaining weeks that he's still around, he can try and do something, but like he's not going to, I don't think. Um, I think this, I, this, this is why I said because people are like, surely Trump wouldn't, right? The Americans were like, the convention is he's going to concede, he, he will concede no, but, to Biden. No, but Trump, the, the difference is that Trump would not have given the speech. That Boris Johnson did. Trump, Trump would never have said anything like, "Oh, if the reason why Trump is not in the White House right now is because if he had stayed there, they would have removed him." <laughs> you understand? He, I mean, he Trump, wanted to. No, Trump was unwilling to do this step that Boris he, he Johnson did. The speech did. The day after, right? I'm talking. No, 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 no. The speech, the, the speech Trump yeah. gave was that we won the election. Mm-hmm. He came out literally in the middle of the night. Once, once, like once they thief, stopped the counting, like a rat on the no, once they stopped the counting, um, in all the states that they stopped the counting, he came out and said, "We have won this election. Stop the votes." Essentially, <laughs> what, 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 is, what is he said? I don't want to wake up tomorrow morning and hear that. So, and and no point time ever. It's not a direct. At no point time ever has has yeah. Trump like ever like said, um, "Oh, okay, people have elected a new leader. I would I would stay." In charge for the rest of the transition, and I, I pledge not to, which what Boris said, I pledge not to uh, make any like significant yeah. changes. Although he has had to appoint like a whole new cabinet. What, what what I'm curious about from your perspective, also again, is um how you think the Conservative Party is going to move on from this. Right. So like you know the the people who like resign, some of them I think are seen as snakes. Um. To I mean, if you are serving, okay, to, so. In the UK, we have something called, forgive me, I'm, I'm a bit of a politics nerd. Um, I haven't studied at A-level and, yeah, following it every day. 
there's something called the doctrine of uh, collective responsibility that applies mm-hmm. to cabinet ministers in the UK. I'm not sure about the US. And the idea is that government policy is carried by one and all. So even if you have a, you know, I might be, uh, for example, I might be a work and pension secretary. I disagree, right? Mm. There's two or three of us. Our transport secretary disagrees. But if a government policy comes out, we have to all support it. If you don't support it, then you have to resign. Whilst you're in parliament, whilst, whilst you're in cabinet as well, that's the that's the convention, right? But Boris Boris Borisopoli or Boris politics has changed all Boris Ball has changed all that. Yeah. Because now ministers are not doing what they're supposed to do. Suella Beverman, Suella Breverman is the Attorney General of the UK. Yeah. She, whilst sitting in cabinet, stated her intention to run as Prime Minister of the UK via the leadership contest. That that is just incorrect. That is everything I was taught, that is wrong. She should not. She's still within the government. She was within Boris's government. She's still in cabinet. She should Mm. not be stating... She should resign and then state her... You know, but... These are all the things. These are all the conventions. I mean, she can happen. she can be making moves now, like the way the way you do that kind of. Yeah, thing but you don't like come out. You, in you a, show in up in the IOI equivalent of in the IOI equivalent of the UK. You know, you give a few speeches here and there. You understand? You shake hands, carry babies. Um, I think what you're saying is that you shouldn't like go on TV and declare, you know, point blank that you're. Um, but like, but like, who who are the people that who are like the you know if you were, if you had to pick or if you had to bet. Who do you think the Conservative Party would pick as um, in right. the next so leader? The, I think Conservative, you have to understand, it's a broad church. In many ways, kind of similar in the US where you have the Tea Party faction all the way to, you know, a mention, mm. should we say, or some might say Biden. <laughs> um, so that's essentially right-wing nationalism all the way to centre-right, you know, free market ideologies, whatever. So... The, <sighs> The discussion is, there's something called ERG, the European Research Group. They are the right wing of the Conservative Party, and they basically forced Brexit mm. as a policy idea that Conservatives had to go with. They're probably the reason why we ended up with Brexit, because they said, this, this is this policy. We think there was a party called UKIP who were running on the platform of Brexit. They said... We think this should be official conservative policy. And they pushed it all the way. So people like Jacob Rees-Mogg, Priti Patel, Nadine Doris, Steve Baker, these are all Brexit ERG people. Now, to answer your question, some in that wing are saying there has to be a Brexiteer, like mm. Prime Minister. However, in reality, cost of living crisis, inflation, war in Ukraine, you know, energy crisis in the UK, you need more of a unifier. Someone like a Jeremy Hunt, perhaps. Um, but it would still be somebody from the Conservative Party, you know? Oh, definitely. So Jer- these are all MPs, sorry. Yeah, so that, that brings us to, like, another, like, another layer, I guess, like, a political question, which is how will the Conservative Party kind of pivot because from the whole Brexit thing? Because Brexit's was kind of tied up in the cult of personality of Boris Johnson in a yeah. way. Even though it was a movement and so on, it, it was tied up with him. And I think like there are reports that that's why he survived the first vote of confidence. Yeah. Because you know the MPs in the Conservative Party felt that like, okay, like rejecting Boris might be seen as rejecting um Brexit. Except now like it was just too much to bear. So, some kind of like, 
Um, how do how, how do they maneuver like with yeah, your the, popularity the, the, against the that are masters, with Brexit? Yeah, they're masters of winning. Um, this is what they do. They don't care about governing. They care about winning. Um, and what they will do is they'll pivot from Boris. They'll blame it all on Boris, and they will try. I think you might end up with the final two of like Rishi Sunak and Jeremy Hunt. Um, Rishi Sunak is a Brexiteer, but is very much more aligned with what I would call conservative economics. So he believes in, if you're going to tax, um, you need austerity, right? If you're going to reduce taxes, you need austerity to match up with that. You can't have reduction in taxes and then massive public spending. He doesn't believe in that. So you might end up with someone like him. I think the issue of Brexit is the conservative that would be type. like British Indian... It would be, but I think he's highly unlikely to... He, he'll get to the final two, I think, possibly. Um, what I read possibly. about him what I read about him is that, like, you know, Boris... I don't think and, he'll win. Boris and people close to Boris think he's a snake. And he was the one I was referring to when I mentioned, like, snake earlier. Um, yeah, because Sunak, his brand, so you might have heard of something called furlough. So during the COVID lockdowns, um, Rishi Sunak was at all-time high popularity for introducing this um, policy where essentially people were subsidized for their Mm. time off from work um, often on a short-term basis due to lack of essentially work for them to do or due to the companies needing to shut down so it was like the government subsidizing wages which was very very popular kept a lot of businesses alive because they were helped with paying their wages kept a lot of people functioning because they weren't working but were being paid so that was the height of his popularity but then since then his wife's non-dom tax status has become an issue so this is her not paying or allegations being made about her tax paying status in the uk as an indian citizen um which is like is also like the richest parliamentarian so he's worth like i think tens of millions if not hundreds of millions i think so in his stead i think there's also we need to talk about the fact that he's a brown man yeah. Um, so whilst the parliamentary party might like him to an extent, while he must have a lot of support, those that will actually vote in the membership of the Conservative Party, have they advanced enough in their thinking to vote for him over a white candidate? I don't know. I find I, I, I find that like oftentimes Conservative parties are in search of you know brown or black voices. Oh um, god, don't get me started on Kenny Badinock. To champion, to champion that causes. No, really, if the, the, there is an entire space dedicated to, like, you know, black or brown people who are willing to say from, you know, from being smart conservatives to yep. being ridiculous people like kind of so. Uh, it's like, look at me. I'm an example that if you work hard enough, yeah, um, yeah, you can you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. You can achieve anything. Yeah. That's and, and, it, and it helps, it helps, you know, um, insulate against charges of like racism for, for the conservatives themselves. So if he does get elected, he can, he can, he can forever be a car that they can trust out. How can you say we're racist? Look at who. I think that, like, yeah, that's very, you know, I agree um, 100% your assessment. Uh, yes. our, our prime minister. But, 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 but then again, like, you know, there's the fact that he's, he might be seen to be too much of like close to a Boris Johnson type of figure. Might might play against it, but isn't I mean, isn't aren't they all Boris Johnson type? Rishi, Rishi, Rishi should have more of a stink because he was a chancellor. He was Boris's yeah. chancellor for three years, so I think to your point, he was in the cabinet where they were making all these decisions. So I think that's fair. 
I think on the flip side, though, Rishi Sunak is seen as a more serious politician. Boris Johnson gave this air of, like I said, not really giving enough due attention, what we call lack of attention to detail, really, um, on certain matters. He would pick up big ticket items, you know. To be fair to him, he's been very proactive on Ukraine, for example, on vaccinations. He's very good at mm. taking headline ideas, pushing through. You know, he talks about leveling up, even though they've not done any leveling up in the north. So I think the 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 race is going to be interesting. Um, let's see what happens. Liz Truss is in there. She's the foreign secretary. Um, Nadine Zahawi is there, the current chancellor who took over from Sunak who's only been in the job for four days um, and is now running as well. Mm. So let's see. It's a wild, it's a wide, it's a wide field. So. What about, what about the opposition, like Labour Party? Like uh, how, how, is, it, is, there, ways, is there room for them to pounce? Like, you know. They, this uh, weekend's, I think this weekend's them, um, tactically, and it requires some natural thinking. Think about, just, just stay with me. Boris Johnson was the Labour's best chance of getting into government because he was yeah. so shambolic. He was dishonest. He was proven to be someone. Okay. That, he was briefing things that ministers were like this. Ten minutes later, find out it's not true, right? So he was hurting the conservative brand so much, and may still hurt them in the twenty twenty four elections. He was their best chance of winning. Mm. Um, now Keir Starmer, who is seen as more of a studious type rather than a ex, you know exciting, charismatic candidate, will need to confront whoever he comes up against and. There's always the fear that Boris Johnson's misdeeds are nailed to him, even though he needed to be upheld by cabinet. Yeah. How about all the MPs so, that voted for him? That so kept yeah, him in so, power? So, so it becomes it becomes a, the argument becomes um, we the conservatives. I mean, can can either say can either be that conservative to say, look at us or vote for us. We have enough, we have so much integrity that you know, even though we wanted Boris Johnson because he was giving you guys what you needed, when he was going too far, we're able to to call him to check, you know, to get him in line and get rid of him. Mm -hmm. He could trust us to make tough decisions. Or it could be, shouldn't you have known in the first place that Boris was a fraud? And why did you have to put us through all this that we went through? Do you know what I'm saying? That that's why the Brexit thing, like how did they how did they navigate the politics of it? Do we still say affirmatively that Brexit was a good thing and we're plowing on? Or do we begin to look for ways that we can as, get back you know, Sunak, um, into good relations with, with Europe? Sunak and Hunt would. So Hunt is more centre. Sunak, perhaps right of centre. They would certainly start to go on manoeuvres with mm. the EU and try and establish some of those trade um, routes back again. Mm. Um I think Brexit as it is, is currently in its current form, it's irreversible. I think yeah. because the Conservatives are wedded to it till the next general election, I don't think they can pivot now. They will just have to ride it for all its economic disasters and it's not going well, this is the bottom line. And um, they will have to then pivot at the next general election. But for now, because they're just going to their membership, who largely support Brexit, I think they can get away without having it as a big... It's not going to be a big item. Well, yeah. they, they, the they, have, they have to keep in mind that, that that whatever they do now... Yeah. Because because po politics, even though like they are, they are the larger like you know elections or cycle elections that come every four years, something like that. But like everything they do now builds up to... Oh, definitely, that, yeah. Yeah, so wh wh whatever decision they make now, 
would impact the outcome of the, the upcoming next election. Like, yeah, yeah, next, yeah. Next, no, you're right. Yeah. But I think this is why Boris Johnson's actions have snookered them because never have I seen a party with s- such a large majority in the House of Commons. But um, you think it's worse for the Labour Party still? No, I think Labour... Labour, I just wonder if Labour will be able to capitalise. I wonder mm. if Ken Farmer will be able to have the bite and the gumption to be able mm. to to make sure that the Conservative Party don't have a Boris washing. They don't pin all their yeah. sins on Boris and allow this new candidate to get themselves in place, do one or two economic things, blame things on the war in Ukraine, blame things on COVID, you know, because other countries haven't deteriorated post-COVID in the same way that the UK has. So I think you make a good point. And really, we don't know who the candidates will emerge. The members will vote on the initial how many. Um, there's a committee called the 1992, 1922 even, sorry, committee. Yeah. They are the committee of bank MPs that set the rules for internal conservative um, elections. So... They will set the rules. They might shorten the candidate lists by saying you need 10% of your parliamentary party. I think currently you only need eight MPs. So they might increase that to whittle down the number of candidates so that we have a quicker process. The members vote across the country. So, you know, the MPs vote, vote, whittle it down to two. And then those two go across the country to different hostings, what we call town hall, like town hall meetings where the members will then vote and decide. So, yes, yeah, let's wait and see. There's hmm. there's a lot of attendance in the race. And, um, yeah, it's just goes to show what happens in the corridors of power, you know? Crazy, crazy times, man. Crazy, crazy things are happening. Crazy things are happening. Um, Statesman X, so pivoting to our next prime minister. Yeah. It's a dangerous time to be. It's a dangerous time to be a prime minister. Um, although, you know, if you had to choose, you choose to be voted out than what happened to this prime minister where I'm about to speak of. The former prime minister of, of Japan, Shinzo Abe, was assassinated um, while he was giving a speech in a city in Japan. Nara. Um, Nara. Yeah, Nara. It's, it's, it's crazy on a couple of levels. Yep. Um, on one level, there's the fact that, like, you know, Japan is a relatively non-violent society, mm-hmm. um, aside from all the, you know, gritty Yakuza-related um, crime violence that happens. On a much larger scale, it's a relatively non-violent society um, with the um, scarcity of guns. Um, on the other hand, it's also, like, the assassination of a, of a world leader or a former world leader um, it's a serious thing um, that has happened. Um, it's, huge. it's been a while. It's, it's huge. huge I mean, I'm trying to think of the last assassination in our lifetimes. We're not going to give away our ages, but, um, mm. you know, I can think of a couple, but I'm thinking of, and I'm thinking of someone like Gaddafi, even, if you can call that an assassination. Yeah. I'm thinking of, um, Gaddafi was the main one that came to mind. Um, can you think of anyone else? No, 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 no one comes to mind. Um, and and I guess like we don't really know oh, like, yeah. the, the Iraqi. Though. Yeah, sorry, of course. Saddam yeah. Hussein. Yeah. So those are the two I can really think of in our time. No, no, I, I don't know if we even qualify this assassination. That's why. Yeah, I'm those, saying I don't know. Like Richard was. What what happened to Kennedy was an assassination. Yeah. Genocide. Um, what almost happened to George Bush when they threw slippers on him? 
if if it was let's, let's say it was you know um um Razor Sharp his life slippers. <laughs> yeah no let's say it was Razor Sharp slippers now or the slippers <laughs> have some kind of like poison on them by order um, of the Peaky Blinders the that, that, that that would exactly Razor that would have slippers. qualified as an assassination this one like um apparently the, the the guy this was just like a regular guy i think it was like a former like soldier or something yeah um, he was a navy a naval reservist my understanding yeah like came up and 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 shot the former president um yeah and i i, I guess like you know there, there's not going to be all sorts of like conspiracy theories probably um coming out of coming out of this and you know like pe- people are in in some quarters like eulogizing in some other quarters talking about you know um shinzo abe's um i guess like somewhat like right-wing stance because like japan is now trying to open itself up you know, in terms of like um ethnicity but 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 there was like a for a while a kind of like a breeding of like an anti-foreigner um i'm sensing it there locally mm-hmm. uh but Yes, you could also argue that you know they they really focus on themselves and and help like to develop their own country. Um, the the uh, Shinzabe woke up that day, you know, thinking that he was just going to thinking that he was just going to um, give a speech to his normal campaign thing, campaign for his former party, um, only to be shot. Um, so I think like politicians in Japan have to be wondering now, have to be wondering now if. Um, you know, their life is in danger or if they're safe. Um, as I was saying earlier, there's likely to be conspiracies because the internet is a crazy place. And um, we now have to start asking questions like, you know, what did Shinzo Abe know? And what, what, did, he, what did he have in store? Um, I why, mean, why would somebody hate him so much that they would want to kill him, essentially? He's not the current president. Um, I mean, I heard, I'm heard about him. The initial interview of the um, assassinator, uh, assassin even, mm-hmm. was that Shinzo Abe belonged to an organization that had led to the impending poverty of his family and loss of economic funds and position. And I mean, if you look at Shinzo Abe's legacy, two big things stand out to me. Um, I think the nationalism point vis-a-vis the World War II stance that he held, so he's not particularly popular in Korea. Um, if you go read up on the Comfort Women scandal, um, Japanese soldiers, um, trigger warning, coercing um, Korean women into um, some sort of pseudo um, prostitution, which is probably the best way to put it. They were forced and coerced into um, comforting, quote-unquote, rather the tasteful explanation of it, of Japanese soldiers during World War II. So Japan, many people might not know because of how Japan is now, was a massive imperialistic country. Um, yeah. Fans of anime, you know, you just need to go watch <laughs> any of their popular animes and you will understand that these are people of great pride. And they... Just, just- just for context, as a legacy of that, Japan today has um, troubled relationships with China yes. and South Korea. And, and South Korea, yeah. So Abe angered those particular two nations because he visited one of the notable shrines um, for Japanese war um, veterans slash criminals, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of, it's all about prevailing narrative. The prevailing narrative was that Japan apologized at the end of World War II 
put down their arms, cease to have a working army. Under Abbey, he kind of, I guess, in a similar way to yeah, they Trump, became a bit more hawkish in terms of yeah, in terms he of preached, yeah. he preached um, make Japan great again, you know, just yeah. to, to um to to kind of give you an image of he was about Japan being proud, not shielding itself, not being sorry, stopping being pacifist, wanted to, and I believe his party um there's a vote, obviously for the legislature. But I also think there's, I, I heard that there's some discussion about removing pacifism from their constitution. So they want to have an army again. They want to be outward looking. And his economics, I think, is the second limb of Shinzo Abe's legacy. Abenomics, as it's called. Mm, um, yeah. Essentially, his attempt to liberalize the Japanese market. But as we know, this is, you know, Japan has an aging, <laughs> aging population. You know, he tried to get more women into but it's, it's, it's worked. It's worked to, to, to an extent. extent yeah. It's trickle down economics, though. It's trickle down economics. And at the end of the day, there's only so much debt you can sell. There's only so much, you know, services have to be backed up by production and endeavor. And, you know, and there's a question as to how successful economics will be in the long term, right? So, in mm. the short term, he staved off Japan's decline in terms of, you know, a long period of lack of innovation, lack of growth. And you mentioned something about looking forward to foreigners. I think these things take so much time, you know. Look at the US where they've had large numbers of minorities and diversity. There's still ways to go. So Japan's attitudes towards Koreans even, <laughs> those in the same peninsula area, um, is, is quite is still still needs to change um and obviously china as well so the japanese obviously committed a number of war crimes in china during world war ii abe again was a bit hawkish yeah. um and so i think those are the, probably the two his economic plans for japan and should we say his interrelations with his neighbors um yeah there are reports that there are reports that in in social media or in parts of China and South Korea, like you know, they're kind of gloating about the fact that uh, Shinzo Abe is dead because uh, I mean, they don't really like him. Can really we talk like about his? Him. Yeah, I'm not surprised by that to be honest. Can we talk about his security guards? Because I watched that video and there was, you know, trigger warning. There was a first shot um, which missed, and Shinzo Abe. How did they? How did he get so close? Yeah, yeah that's. Crap that's the behind. thing now, like that's the thing because of the type of society that Japan is. No, like, they need a cordon. They should no, be no, 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 no. Be because of the type of society that Japan is, this guy made his gun at home. Yeah, like, like you do you know how do you know how dedicated you have to be to to killing someone to make your own gun? Essentially, like you have to research, you have to get mm. all sorts of like. Was he was know. I mean was he resourced? I mean, how could you know a reservist have all that equipment? Mm. There we mm. go. Mm. There, there we mm. go with, mm. with conspiratorializing. Cons <laughs> um, but I mean, um, rest in peace. The, the the fact is the man has died. Um, rest in peace, yeah. and however controversial, whatever views we may have of him, um, he was someone's son, someone's husband, um, and he was Japan's longest ever serving prime minister. So he definitely left an indelible mark on that country. And I think his death will have 
you know, think of, we talk about gun safety, there'll be stricter. We'll significant repercussions. There'll be yeah. repercussions, you know, now there won't be so much trust of public areas or politicians. Um, his security guard needs to be fired because they should have jumped on him as soon as the first shot missed. Um, mm. You know, they need to really look into their security training, the protection of politicians, because you can't just have politicians being assassinated in the street. They need to reevaluate their, their conception of their society. Mm. Indeed. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, I mean, we'll see where the world progresses, you know, in the, it's, it's a volatile time. Um, and, um, yeah, please do let us know. What do you think about Shinzo Abe's legacy? What, what do you think his legacy is going to be? Um, and also, what do you think of, who do you think is going to be the next British Prime Minister? What do you think is going to be Boris, Boris Johnson's legacy? I guess this is all about legacy. Um, he hasn't got Brexit done, has he? Because they're looking to unwind it. Did he get it done in name only? Um, what is his legacy? Is it dishonesty? Is it Gates? Party Gates? Pincher Gates? Patterson Gates? So, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, let us know what you think. Do share, like, comment, and um, we hope to see you on the next episode of the pod. Have a good one. Cheers.